I believe the cameras will remain in the courtroom on the Brian Koberger matter. SBF testifies, police in Maine can't find a mentally ill mass murderer. An update on the magic mushroom pilot. Don't buy sex in Ohio, per the attorney general. A midday robbery in California. And then our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. Good day, everyone. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Thanks for joining us. You know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't. Like if you do. Leave me a comment and hit that little bell for notifications. And remember, you can listen to us anytime on any of your favorite podcasting apps. Now, as we discussed the other night during our Patreon show and our live show, we are having a Crime Talk Halloween photo contest. So you say, why would I want to submit a photo to the Crime Talk photo contest? Why? because money, it's always about the money. We're gonna have two categories, all right? And you need to send your entries to our official uh, Crime Talk Instagram page at Crime Talk Official, and we will ultimately select two winners. One will be from our Patreon members, and the others will be from our subscribers who submit a photo. Now the Crime Talk staff will select the winner in each category, and we're gonna be judging the uh, photo, the costume, whether you make us laugh and, well, basically who has the best costume. Pretty simple rules. And then guess what? We will award the winner in each category $100. Easiest money you can make in a lifetime. Now, the winners will be announced on Tuesday, October 31st, Halloween, and then we'll send you your money. We'll contact you and you just need to let us know how to send you your money. Whether you want a Venmo or whether you want it, send via check. So send your photos. Oh, and by the way, when you send it, we are also going to be putting them up on Halloween Day. So just remember that. Keep them decent. All right, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Let's go ahead and open the record for October 27th, 2023. And first on the docket, Brian Koberger. I think the cameras are going to remain, ladies and gentlemen. This is a good thing. So the district court judge, John Judge, opened Thursday's uh, hearing on the Brian Koberger matter by saying that he had not made a final decision on the defense motion to ban cameras. As you may recall, the attorneys for Brian Koberger, um, in, he's accused of killing the four University of Idaho students um, at their uh, rental last November, say that the cameras deprived their client of his 14th Amendment right to due process and they allege that the media photographs have violated the judge's instruction to avoid focusing exclusively on Mr. Koberger. The judge said in court, and I quote, I'm not going to ban the cameras in the courtroom, but I need more control over what cameras are doing and what the media, not the media, is doing uh, with the filming. That's according to the judge. Now, he says, quote, I know I can only control so much, and that's why I continue to urge people to be patient and have some dignity and some restraint. That's basically saying, hey, media, play nice, focus on the rules that I've already put in place, and you'll be able to get what you want, which is cameras in the courtroom. We don't need every second focused on Brian Koberger. I want to see what the evidence is. Let the jury focus on how Koberger reacts, all right? Now, the judge did 
uh, note that uh, photos and videos taken by the media are used by people on the internet. But he also said he was keen to strike a balance between the dual needs to achieve a fair trial and to preserve public access, which we've talked about this numerous times. We discussed the cases as it relates to the First Amendment, the press and courtrooms. Yes, there needs to be a balance and it should not be restrictive. So the judge said it's a benefit and potentially a harm. And it can tilt a case one way or the other if the media is trying the case in the media. And we don't want that because that's not based on the evidence. That's not based on the rules of the court. And it can get out of control. Prosecutors have been a little more concerned with the uh, televising of the trial and motions hearing based upon the sensitive nature of the evidence as well as vulnerable witnesses. Now, I think the court can make reasonable accommodations for this. Do we need to see all of the photographs from the crime scene? Probably not. Do we need to see the photos from the autopsies? Probably not. We probably get the idea. It will be described in the court proceedings we don't need to see the photographs of that. If there is legitimate concerns for a particular witness, maybe perhaps they're underage, then you maybe don't televise that particular witness's testimony, but we hear the audio. A balance can be struck whereby the people get to see what takes place. Now, there is a, a coalition of more than 20 media outlets that are arguing against banning cameras in the courtroom based upon the First Amendment grounds and say that uh, recording the courtroom proceedings helps limit misinformation by the general public. Now, the attorney arguing for the uh, uh, broadcast groups to uh, have the proceedings televised has said that the answer is not less sunshine, it's more. It says the public and this community will be best served by having those cameras in the courtroom, which I totally agree. Now, uh, at least uh, two families of the victims uh, in, in the killing oppose uh, prohibiting cameras. And Shannon Gray, who represents the family of Kaylee Gonzalez's uh, family, issued a statement on behalf of his clients and some members of the Zena Kernodal family. The statement reads, speculation is fueled by the secrecy surrounding everything that is filed and every hearing that is closed off to the media and the public. So it is vitally important that the trial be viewed publicly. It is important for the victim's family, relatives, community members, and the public that this veil of secrecy be lifted at trial. This not only ensures accountability for all the parties involved, but also helps the public maintain its faith in the justice system. My goodness, that attorney must have been listening to Crime Talk because it sounds like we wrote it ourselves. Well, the judge said that uh, he would issue a final ruling soon, and but for now, cameras will remain. The court's uh, final note on that was, please have patience, be respectful, and be decent. That's what I want, the judge said. Well, the judge also denied a request to dismiss the grand jury indictment in the case of Brian Koberger on the grounds that the defense had argued that there were errors made in the grand jury instructions and that the grand jury was misled as to the standard of proof required for an indictment. So Koberger's defense attorneys argued that the uh, standard of proof for a grand jury of beyond a reasonable doubt uh, was made, but the grand jury in this case against Koberger was given a lower standard required for an archaic process called a presentment, which, require, which requires a preliminary hearing. As a result, 
failing to properly instruct the grand jury is grounds for dismissal of the indictment, is what the defense argument was. But Judge John Judge denied the motion saying, hey, I'm constrained by what I believe is settled law here in Idaho. It's not his job to make new law. It's his job to interpret the law based upon the facts in front of him. He says, quote, this is certainly an issue that you would have to bring with a higher court, like the Supreme Court, i.e. after you lose a trial, you appeal it and your argument is preserved. That's what lawyers do. The judge even said, I think the argument's good, but I can't go that far, at least not today. The judge also noted that he would issue a written order soon as well. All right, next on the docket, Sam Bankman-Fried testified. As you recall, I gave you the highlight of the summary of his testimony yesterday. Well, a summary of his testimony yesterday was outside the presence of the jury because the judge was trying to decide what the scope of the cross-examination was going to be. Um, the summary of yesterday's testimony was, uh, I don't recall, I can't say, I don't have any memory of that. I can't speak to that document without having it in front of me. I don't recall giving that order. Well, he um, is now testifying in front of the jury today and once again is kind of squirmish uh, on the witness stand. And he says basically, yes, the uh, FTX uh, imploded because of uh, mistakes that were made, but they don't amount to the level of a crime. He said that we thought we could uh, build the best product on the market. And uh, he, he stated that his, uh, and he explained, you know, why he uh, founded FTX, but he tried to distance himself from the computer coding that prosecutors say allowed his uh, hedge fund Almeida to steal the $10 billion from the FTX users funds. And he said, you know, I'm not really much of a programmer. I didn't write any of the FTX code. So Sam Bakeman fried is saying, I, I knew nothing. Sure, I was in charge. I took all the benefits of being CEO, but I accept no responsibility for what was done or what wasn't done. So don't find me responsible. Hmm. We'll see how that plays with the jury. We'll see how the cross-examination goes as well. But he did say is he made a number of small mistakes and a number of big mistakes uh, while running the cryptocurrency exchange, uh, but he denied taking any customers' funds. Next on the docket, yes, the police have been unable to find a mentally ill mass murderer. Police in Maine today admitted that they have no idea where to find the mentally ill gunman, Robert Card, and the uh, manhunt has continued a second day. Schools remain closed in the town where he, well, slaughtered 18 people Wednesday night. Now, uh, Card, who's described by family members as someone is schizophrenic and who apparently thought his hearing aids allowed him to hear people bashing him, has been on the run since he targeted, guess what, a deaf cornhole tournament at the bowling alley in Lewiston, Maine. So despite all the police and FBI agents and everybody else, they have no idea where to find him. Now, Mr. Card has been on the run since murdering 18 people on Wednesday night in Lewiston, which is about 15 miles from where he lives. His car was found Wednesday night about seven miles from Lewiston near the town of Lisbon. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to give this guy any credit. He's a psychopath um, and he better, you know, who, who knows what this guy's going to do. Whether he's dead in the woods somewhere, uh, whether he's on the run, I don't know. Once again, this guy has been in the mental 
institution had at least a two-week hold and maybe one or two previous 72-hour holds, and yet uh, somebody allowed him access to the firearm. It wasn't the firearm that did this. It was the crazy man with the firearm that did this. Everyone keeps making him out to be this uh, trained guy. He was in the National Guard. It was a refueling. The guy is a, a glorified gas station attendant when he does his reserve time. They're making him out to be this some sort of uh, trained wilderness guy. He hunts. He lives in Maine. I get that. But uh, for all we know, he could be dead. He could be in Canada. He could have drowned trying to get away on his sea dew. We just don't know. But I hope they get this guy. And I really hope they get this guy. I hope they get this guy uh, alive um, so that uh, people can actually bring out their, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Is it vengeance that they need or maybe justice? Because this man killed 18 people for no good reason whatsoever. And of course, if he is found alive, they will probably say that he is not guilty by reason of insanity. He was suffering from a mental defect or disease, and therefore we'll just send him off to the state hospital and he'll get nothing. Are you starting to notice a bit of a trend here in the criminal justice system, ladies and gentlemen? I can't put a number on it. It would be completely anecdotal, but I'm telling you, we're probably talking 80, 90% of the people involved in the criminal justice system have mental health issues. Greater societal issue, what are we gonna do? Do we lock them up or do we try to fix them and get help beforehand? I don't know what the answer is, but I think people are kind of getting tired of everything that's going on in the world. Next, an update on our magic mushroom microdosing pilot. Well, the wife of the off-duty Alaskan Airlines pilot accused of trying to crash the plane after taking some magic mushrooms has insisted that he never would have knowingly tried to harm anyone on the flight. Now, Sarah Stretch is supporting her husband, Joseph Emerson, um, when they made their first appearance in federal court in Portland, where he pled not guilty and waived his right to a preliminary hearing. Now, her husband's been charged with 83 counts of attempted murder, and um, she says that this is not the man she married. She also stated that I don't know how to explain it, but it just wasn't him. She said that her husband was struggling with depression, but never would knowingly have done that to anyone. Well, he's also been charged with interfering with the flight crew members and attendants and faces dozens of state charges in Oregon, including the 83 felony counts of attempted murder, 83 counts of reckless endangerment, one count of endangering an aircraft. Now, the uh, U.S. magistrate judge ordered Emerson to be held as a danger to the community and a flight risk on the interference charge pending the next court appearance, which is now set for November 22nd. Now, the uh, pilot, Mr. Emerson, has told police that he had taken the magic mushrooms before his flight from Everett, Washington to San Francisco, when he is accused of trying to cut the fuel to the engines by activating the fire suppression system before the crew held him down. We've learned now through the affidavit is that even while restrained, he tried to open the emergency doors on the Alaskan flight, which was operated by Horizon Air and the pilots were also attempting to make an emergency landing shortly after the incident. Now, Mr. Emerson later told investigators that he had a nervous breakdown after not sleeping for up to 48 hours after taking psychedelic mushrooms for the first time. He said, quote, I didn't feel okay. It seemed like the pilots weren't paying attention to what was going on. They didn't, it didn't seem right, he told the police, according to the affidavit. He told the flight attendant, you needed to cuff me right now or it's going to be bad. 
after he was booted from the cockpit, <laughs> according to the affidavit. And he said, quote, I messed everything up. He told a crew member that he tried to kill everybody. Emerson also told investigators that he became depressed after the recent death of his best friend, who his wife said was the best man at his wedding. But it's unclear because the friend died six years ago. All right, so Emerson's being held now in federal court with no bond. He's also being held without bond in Oregon on the state charges as well. Hopefully the cases will be wrapped up into one. Clearly the guy has got some mental health issues. I get that. Um, I think there's medicinal value to these mushrooms. Don't get me wrong. But you need to be supervised by somebody that um, knows what the hell to do. And, oh, I don't know, maybe if you're tripping, you're um, in a room that you can't get access to large, heavy equipment, which could kill people. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you think. Next, don't buy sex in Ohio. It ruins lives and could cost you yours. According to the Ohio Attorney General, Dave Yost, why would he make that comment? Well, because of this beauty. Take a look at her, Rebecca Auburn. She faces a bunch of charges on top of the murder counts, which include involuntary manslaughter, aggravated robbery, felonious assault, corrupting another with drugs, tampering with evidence, and drug trafficking. Now, this case came to light after the Central Ohio Human Trafficking Task Force received information that a woman was meeting men for sex in uh, Northeast Columbus and then dosing the Johns with drugs and then stealing their possessions. Now, this is not a uh, new tactic. Uh, it's not uncommon for pimps to come rob the Johns once the prostitute is in the room. Um, it's, it's quite dangerous. That's why you don't buy sex from prostitutes. You don't know who's on the other side. They could be trying to kill you, at a minimum, trying to rob her. Anyway, the detectives ultimately connected Auburn to several overdoses and robberies going back as far as December of 2022. There's uh, four unidentified victims that have actually died from those overdoses uh, in 2023. Now, details about these cases have not been disclosed just yet. But hey, don't pay for sex in Ohio, ladies and gentlemen could kill you. This is something you'd expect, I don't know, from some third world country, I guess, where there's complete lawlessness, maybe a failed state, perhaps. This is not a video from Mexico or Venezuela. No, no, no. Where is this from? California. Look at this. Thieves robbed a man on the side of a Los Angeles highway in broad daylight after intentionally running the car off the road. Now, the uh, four criminals were wearing dark clothing and masks, and they were captured racing um, out of a black Dodge caravan toward a wrecked Alfa Romeo sedan about uh, 1.30 yesterday afternoon. Hands up, one of the highway robbers yells at the victim as they rush toward him. The unidentified victim put his hands up over his head and got to his knees as the men began ransacking the car. I got it, one of the robbers appears to uh, shout as he pulls something from the front seat. One of the suspects makes a move to intimidate an eyewitness who was recording it, but quickly gets back to searching the uh, sedan in the stickup. Now, to make their uh, daring escape, the criminals had a white Chevy Malibu waiting next to the crash site as they got away. Now, the California Highway Patrol says that the caravan purposely ran the sedan off the road. Uh, the suspects, who appear to be armed in the video, were armed with a hammer and a crowbar, not a firearm. So I guess that makes it okay. Seriously, ladies and gentlemen, this is what we are coming to? Are you crazy? Violent criminal 
violent crimes, okay? I've said this before and I'll say it again. There's rape, murder, violent crime. Everything else can usually be resolved rather expeditiously. But those types of crimes, rape, murder, violent crime, the people need to be punished severely with a long prison sentence so that they are too old to go and harm anybody else. If you look at the recidivism data, it basically says people that commit violent crimes will continue to do so until they get too old. And that's why you lock them up with lengthy prison sentences. Look at the facts, look at the data. And finally today, our dumb criminal of the day. Police in Florida arrested a woman after she was caught allegedly driving a car with the same scholarship as a police cruiser. She reportedly said she um, had the car painted that way because she fell in love with the color combination. So a couple of troopers were conducting a traffic stop on another vehicle when they saw this black and tan vehicle with FSO guard on the sides and a light bar on the top. It had the same color scheme as the Highway Patrol, which is against Florida law for non-law enforcement cars to have that same scheme. The car also had, quote, to protect and serve, end quote, written in tan letters on the side, along with a grill guard that looked like he was installed on a police car. So the troopers um, finished their traffic stop and then pulled over the faked cop car. And according to the arrest affidavit, the driver was a 28-year-old woman named Lulia Pugachev. And uh, she told the troopers that uh, she was just test driving the vehicle. And troopers then explained why she was being pulled over and that she can't have the same color scheme as it relates to this black and tan as, as violation of the law. Well, then what happened? Pugachev then told the uh, troopers that she didn't know that and had purchased the car at an auction. So she's already having issues because, well, it's a different statement than she said before. Anyway, Pugachev said she and her husband bought the car ultimately for uh, employees to use at their security company. And she said she had a repairman at the uh, body shop install the blue and white light bar. Well, guess what? She said that she requested the wrap business next to the body shop to wrap the vehicle in the black and tan because she's previously seen uh, the units and she just fell in love with the color scheme. Now, maybe it was completely for legitimate purposes, but yeah, apparently it's against the law because we don't want people going around intimidating police officers. And then on the other hand, the law could be completely unconstitutional because what if I like black and tan colors on my car? Why should I be prohibited from using it if I'm not doing anything nefarious? I don't know. But either way, Ms. Pugachev, you are a dumb criminal of the day. Congratulations, you made it. Maybe you could put that in your police car. All right, thanks for watching. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you next time on Crime Talk.